This is unstructured. Hey everybody, today is a special treat. I'm actually speaking to someone from tomorrow. I like to call New Zealand tomorrow world because every time I talk to friends who are in New Zealand or Australia, I'm speaking to the next day it seems. And it just is something I find amusing. Now this is Chris Desmond, I think is how he says it in New Zealand. We say it as Desmond here. So if I slip, I apologize. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm good, thanks. Uh, I'm good. Very good, Eric. It's a, it's a lovely day tomorrow uh, out here in, in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably more that the Desmond would be more uh, of an Australian twang, maybe. It would be more Desmond. Mm. So we, we tend to say okay. our vowels pretty much all like a U. So mm. if you need to bear that in mind for the rest of the episode, for the people that are listening, that... Uh, if you need some translation, the U sound can just replace it with any other vowel. It's a weird observation, but yeah, I find that of the, I don't know, what do you call it? Empire, or Commonwealth states, is that what you call yourself? Part of the Commonwealth? Uh, technically, I suppose we are, yeah. That New Zealand accent sounds closer to South African to me. Does it? Than okay. to Australian. Like Australian is kind of more on the... Uh, Irish side of English, mm. and then uh, New Zealand sounds a little more South African, maybe a touch of Scottish or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, we're a, we're a weird amalgamation, I think, in terms of, of our accent and, and how it's blended. And uh, yeah, I definitely see that. There's, there's parts uh, of the South African accent in there, and then there's parts of the, the Australian accent in there too. Uh, I'm not going to try my hand at doing a Scottish accent, but uh, th- there's probably some <laughs> words, depending, especially if you're if you're from further down south where there are a lot of Scottish set- settlers. Um, there's people that roll their R's and uh, have the the purple curtains. Out of curiosity, history-wise, are you um, more related to South Africa? Are you part of uh, James? Was it James Cook discovery yeah. or? Yeah, so we are a. We were part of James Cook's discovery. Um, New Zealand was settled uh, kind of the the early eighteen hundreds. Um, so we're a we're a pretty young nation uh, overall. We've I think we're probably the the youngest kind of decent sized nation nation that um, that is in existence today. Um, Hmm. But yeah, we were part of part of James Cook, uh, his his trips, his discoveries. Um, we got a couple of his boats on some of our coins, and I think Australia was too, right? It was, yeah, yeah. They sent all the prisoners to Australia, though. It was the it was <laughs> it was the free folk, the explorers that came to New Zealand. I see, I see. Well, you have a kind of a friendly rivalry with Australia, don't you? We do. I think it's. Um, uh, it's probably kind of similar to uh, the Canadians' rivalry with uh, the United States that we kind of see them as a, as a bit of a big brother. Um, we love to punch above our weight um, with them, and it's always it's always exciting when we beat them at sport or uh, or something else. Um, and they probably I, I don't know I don't know if they feel the same. They they might maybe more look at us as like the little brother and kind of give us a bit of a pat on the head every now and then. <laughs> Same. <clears throat> yeah, you're, you're okay. That's funny. I, the comparison to Canada makes me laugh because truthfully, if there's a rivalry with Canada, we, we never knew it. <laughs> we don't really think about 
Yeah, fair enough. Okay, the Australians are maybe a little bit more aware of the rivalry. Maybe just because we poke <laughs> them a bit more about it, though. Now, you're a, um, a physio, so it's a yeah, so physiologist? A, a physical therapist. Okay, that, that's a parallel to the U.S., right? Yeah, yeah. So in the, yeah, in the, the Commonwealth countries, they, they call it a physiotherapist. Um, I'm not exactly sure why, but the same, same thing. I, I was reading up a little bit ahead of time, and I saw something that a physiotherapist traditionally may maybe slightly different in the sense that you do a little more mechanical movement and adjustments versus a physical therapist in the United States style is a bit more exercise driven. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we're ideally you, you kind of want to be predominantly exercise driven because you want to get people back to to doing what they need to be able to do whether that's sitting for eight hours at a desk or whether that's uh going out and running ultra marathons or getting cage fighting um so exercise is still a a really important part of of any of that process but at least in new zealand there is there is often a little bit more hands-on stuff that we do with with patients as well and probably incorporate some similar techniques to potentially osteopaths and chiropractors as well that there's a there'll be a bit of crossover in the in the hands-on stuff that we do and also some phys, uh, physiotherapists do some acupuncture or dry needling or or cupping techniques hmm. as well so f- maybe a little bit more of that the eastern medicine style as well and you don't have a issue with uh, chiropractors there as much i mean here they're kind of <laughs> there's a there's a probably a similar rivalry to australia and new zealand actually between physiotherapists and chiropractors um i, th- I think um i don't w- with my background and my biases i i don't know that i agree with the, the scientific reasoning by behind all the stuff that they do mm-hmm. but i think with with any profession there are there are great practitioners of it as well so i have mm-hmm. i have some clients with um mutual clients that go and see the chiropractor down the road for for some of their stuff as well and i've i've only ever heard very good things about the chiropractors there and they'll they'll send me clients as well when they think that my skill set would benefit this this person a little bit more. I'm sure there are pockets of rivalry, but I think if you look for if you look for the good stuff that people can do, then you can get on really well with them. Could it be a, considered a, a decent analogy that they may be more like a, a physician's assistant or a nurse practitioner versus a doctor with you guys? Like maybe they can take care of things a little less expensively or or help in a different way um i don't know if i would use that that analogy um i think that would probably be doing them a a bit of a disservice that they're they're autonomous practitioners in their in their own right as well and i think that they i think they just view patients or clients problems slightly from just from a, a slightly different lens um but we're kind of ultimately aiming to get them to that same end point is get them from an injured state back to to doing what they want to back to doing what they love and and how we go about it is slightly different and it's not to say one way's right or one way's wrong but often one way will work slightly better for a for a client depending on their background and uh and their biases and kind of how they respond to uh, to a certain practitioner so they, they can be seen as maybe complementary sometimes yeah 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 I, i'd say that a that'd probably be a better way to to describe it you also are 
the host of Uncomfortable is Okay, mm. which is a scary thing to hear from a physiotherapist. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the, the title for my podcast came from a, a physiotherapy session that I was doing with a client at one point. Um, we'd gone through the initial stages of uh, of settling down their injury, and it was time to start to, to get them back to, to sport. And this was in the the origin, like the the early stages when I was I was putting the podcast together, and I found myself in the gym with them one day, and because we were because we were ready to start pushing and start going back towards towards them playing sport, I, mm-hmm. I said to them, I was like, look, I'm going to give you an exercise to do now that's going to challenge you. It's probably going to hurt a little bit, but that's okay. We know that we're that we're working the right areas if it if it hurts. So I don't want you to be pushing into pain because that's probably going a little bit far, but uncomfortable is okay with this. Oh, okay. And I've been toying with ideas for the, the title of the podcast for a little while and then I just kind of had a had a light bulb moment at that point. I was like, oh, okay, that's what it's called. I actually, I do love that name. And I, I want to sidetrack now because you made me think of something when you were saying, hey, uncomfortable is okay in doing the physical therapy. Mm. There are, I, I'm a runner. Um, bit out of shape right now, but I am a runner, and there are what we call niggles, mm-hmm. and that's uh, where you just feel eh, something's not quite right. It doesn't really hurt, but I've learned over time you need to pay attention to those mm-hmm. things that don't feel quite right, and maybe you shouldn't even go run that day because that niggle can very quickly become an injury. How do you determine where uncomfortable is okay versus this niggle may be a real warning sign? Mm. It's a like it's it's a really interesting uh, it's a really interesting thing, and I, I'm much better at doing it in myself than I am trying to teach other people. That I mean, I, I'm I do a bit of running as well, um, and I have had injuries in the past and had niggles in the past, and sometimes you're not quite sure if they're if it's worthwhile going out and trying it until you actually go and do it. Because if, you, if you're running on a niggle and you're like, this is this is okay, maybe I can work through this a little bit. And then you go out and you get a couple of hundred meters down the road and it's just starting to ramp up and you think, no, actually I'm going to turn around and I'm going to come home, which is a hard decision to make in itself when you've said I'm going to go out for this run. But sometimes actually right. you can go out and I had a, a, a problem with my Achilles a couple of years ago and actually I'd feel it'd feel rubbish for the first 500 meters. But after that, mm-hmm. it'd feel fine. It'd feel really good, actually, and it would get better and better and I wouldn't have any pain in it. So I think part of it comes down to experience and and knowing your body. Um, and I, I know that you've been running for a few years now, Eric, and you're probably better at picking which niggles that you can work with or work through than you were a few a few years ago when you were just starting out. Um, but as kind of a, a rule of thumb um, that I that I tell my clients, uh, we often use a scale from it's called the the nu- numeric pain rating scale. So it's a zero to ten scale. Zero is no pain at all, and ten is the the most excruciating pain someone can imagine, like lying on the floor, writhing in agony. Um, you you can't do anything. You can barely think, sort of thing. Right. That I'm I'm often happy with people kind of working towards maybe a one or a two, 
probably a three out of 10 at the highest on that pain scale. That if it's getting up to four, five, six, hey, you're still probably not doing yourself damage by going out and and exercising on that. Um, But often you'll, you'll create some irritation in the body and things just will take longer to settle down. So it'll impact the rest of your day. It'll impact um, the other stuff that you need to do. And especially if we're working through a, a physical rehab process, that, mm-hmm. yeah, exercise is important, but so is all that other stuff that you're doing during the during the day. Okay, so as an analogy, have you run marathons or no? I have, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I would put it, and it's funny, I don't know if you run into this with patients. I, I went to a chiropractor for a while. He always appreciated I'd come in, I'd say, I'm in pretty bad pain. He's like, what is it? I'm like, I don't know, maybe a five, mm-hmm. five to six. And I asked him about it. He said, yeah, you're dead on. Because I'm like, if you're in that seven, eight, nine range, then you should be hospitalized or mm-hmm. under um, some heavy medication. I would put a um, post-marathon climbing down the stairs at about a four to a five. Would that be a fair analogy to you? Yeah, I would I would say that's probably probably right. Um, like uh, the I think the worst pain that I've ever been in is about an eight. I fractured my my tibia and fibula, so my my shin bones, and playing playing rugby, and got lifted up onto the stretcher. And uh, apparently, it looked like I had two knees because I just bent oh. in the middle of my shin as well. Oh. But uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a good one. Um, I went down to went down to hospital, and they moved me from the the um, ambulance stretcher onto a hospital bed. And they asked me how much pain I was in, and I said, "Oh, it's it's probably about an eight. And they, they looked at me because <laughs> I was I had screwed my face up and, and things. Um, and they said, just an eight? And I was like, yeah, I can still talk. I can still think and I can still, right. move, the, still move the rest of my body. It's, uh, it, it's okay. The, the 10, I, <laughs> it, it, it's interesting. Some people come in and see me um, and I ask them how much pain they're in and they say 10 out 11. of 10. Yeah, 11 out of 10. <laughs> and then they bend forward and pick their handbag up off the floor or, or do something similar. <laughs> they're, always the, they're always the interesting ones, um, how, they, how they respond to their pain. Right. I, I, w- I was wondering if that was something you faced because, I, I mean, I'm not perfectly aware of my body and my circumstances and... I imagine that a lot of your clients, you have to help guide them mm. and, and train them to what a pain level is or what discomfort is or what a movement is or a good track pattern, things like that. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of it is a lot of it is retraining movement with people rather than uh, training pure strength. But I think pain is a pain's an interesting thing in our society that we're we're told to avoid it. It's um, we're told to be comfortable as well and and avoid any type of pain and that pain is pain is bad and that's a message that gets gets caught up in our heads and that just sort of rolls around there so any pain any discomfort that we have is is viewed in our heads as bad um when that's not necessarily the case as as a a physical therapist i work reasonably closely with uh, a lot of the orthopedic surgeons and i was having a conversation with one of them one day Uh, this guy's he's he'd be about 70 and he's just absolutely hilarious and he said i ask people what they want when they come to me and they tell me no more pain and then i tell Mm. them i haven't had a pain-free day since i was 18 so that's 50 years i'm not going to get rid (laughs) of your pain for you so i i think that a lot of people uh get really worked up about any type of pain and right. if you work yourself up and if you stress yourself out, then usually you tend to experience more pain 
because your body just becomes really aware of it and really alert with it but also you're triggering off you're triggering off your parasympathetic nervous system as well your kind of your fight or flight response to be hyper vigilant for for any stimulus so if you get knocked in the in that sore area and depends on what knocks you but most of the time nothing's going to do you damage but that'll shoot a signal up to your brain and because you're you're hyper alert Mm -hmm. your your body will interpret it as something that is ridiculously painful send a signal back down and say whoa lock up here we don't want to we don't want to damage ourselves and it it can turn into a little bit of a, a negative spiral in terms of in terms of pain and um pain becoming persistent and the the same thing with kind of discomfort in life as well um is is the way that i think about it is that if someone is uh kind of steps outside of their comfort zone at all has an unpleasant experience they regress and they try and stay back uh, step back inside it so it's like someone who is coming back from injury goes and tries to do an exercise but Mm -hmm ends up with maybe some of that uh, kind of post-marathon t- sort of pain that we were talking about before or, or some other delayed onset muscle soreness that because the, their body is and their brain is hypervigilant to that pain at that point in time, they almost start to catastrophize about that and uh, and play out all these worst-case scenarios in their head. And then from, from there, they they step back and they pull back and they don't want to go and, uh, and exercise again. So the, I've, I've got it off track with this, but kind of the, the role of the role of, well, my, my thoughts are on the role of a good therapist with that is to, is first to, to make sure that there's nothing sinister going on that actually, Hey, your, your body is intact. We don't need to send you off to see a surgeon or we don't need to send you off to see another specialist to, to make, uh, for, anything to get repaired but then it's to de-threaten the situation once you've once you've figured out there's nothing gnarly going on that actually hey injury is normal that pain is normal and that we need to slowly and progressively work you through a process to just gently push your body's boundaries because your body is great at adapting it's great at healing itself up that if we can gently nudge those boundaries and create some some adaptation there then you're slowly going to get better you're slowly going to to build your strength improve your movement and yeah you might be a bit sore as you do it but that's slowly going to fade as you get back into into doing what you would normally do but it's a it's really interesting the the role that the the mind and the central nervous system and and a few of the other systems play in a simple ankle sprain for example that makes sense and what you're saying also in essence is if we fall into the pain cave too much or, or, or just into ourselves and we don't move, we may actually be injuring ourselves further versus mm. walking it out over time and getting your movement back. The pain will slowly recede as you relearn the movement yeah. and adapt. Exactly. Our, our bodies are designed to move. We're, we're not to designed to, to be still. And I don't know about you, but I always find that if I've had a, had a day or two where I haven't done much movement, where I've just been sitting down, that actually I get a little bit sore and stiff because of that. Oh, yeah. And then I feel much better when I go and move. Oh, definitely. And especially um, your hips tighten up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my hips. That's um my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a huge problem with runners, um, especially because 
I, I work in an office at a computer all day and our hips, I know kind of get twisted in from sitting all the time mm. and you need them so much and driving for running that, um, it actually kind of helps to limber them up before you run things like that definitely yeah and i think well another way that i think about it as well is that you're not you're not using the muscles like especially when you're sitting you're not using your glutes and your hamstrings and your quadriceps so the the muscles in around your pelvis and your thigh which are the the biggest muscles in your body which are really important for for driving you forward when you're running and that if you're if you're sitting all day and then you go out and and try and run that actually you're probably going to go through some discomfort to start with as your muscles Mm -hmm. figure out hey we need to move again you've been training us to sit down for six or eight or ten or twelve hours over the course of the day and then people wonder why they're a bit sore when they start to go out and try and do some exercise it's because you've been training your body not to do it do you um do you believe in uh, static stretching or active stretching i'm not really a big fan of static stretching myself but um i believe in both um i think they they have their benefits and i the more people that i've seen and the more life experience that i've had the more i kind of understand that there's no there's no one correct way for everybody that everybody is is slightly different um i i don't mind a bit of static stretching um i find that i get a get a really good stretch at times um i quite like active stretching as well uh, especially if i'm if it's just before a run or before some exercise that actually it kind of, i find it primes the muscles a little bit better more often i'll do some static stretching if i'm just if I'm just feeling a bit tight uh, and I want to just loosen up if I'm if I know hey I've got two or three minutes here I really want to okay. get a good stretch um, but I think the the key I should have qualified what I was saying I because now that I think about it I'm mostly not in favor of static stretching prior to a run but after mm. a run or other times of the day yeah 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 and I think like one one challenge that uh, people that try and do static stretching uh, run into is often that they'll just try and force their way through the stretch that they'll just hold it and just try and get as much stretch out of it as possible which usually that's not the point of it usually what you want to do is you want your muscle to relax and you want it to lengthen so you want to go again to the edge of that discomfort hold that stretch stretch take a few breaths there allow your muscle to Mm. relax a wee bit rather than trying to force your way through it and then you can go a bit further and do the same thing again. And usually that's a bit more of an effective way to, to do static stretching than just ramming it to the end of where it can go and <laughs> hoping for the best. So gentle. Be gentle with it. Be gentle, yeah. yeah. Be be your body's friend. <laughs> it's always helpful. Now, speaking yeah. of our body's friend and all that, you guys in New Zealand have you know a different structure for how to obtain medical help. Hmm. Um, I believe you have um, some sort of single payer system or um, government fund. How does it work there? Yeah, so there is a healthcare is is government funded um, within New Zealand. Uh, there are there are private hospitals and there are private insurance companies. Which some it, it, it's to obtain healthcare. It's not a requirement to to have private insurance. Some people do choose to have private insurance. Just because of the the logistics of publicly funded healthcare, um, that often there is a waiting list 
because it's a, mm. it's a scarce resource um, and that sometimes you can get things done uh, more expeditiously privately if you if you do have insurance but obviously that that comes at a cost and not everyone can afford that but the the public healthcare system in New Zealand is is usually pretty good uh, and we have something as well called the the accident compensation corporation so ACC so they they are they're kind of like an insurance company for injuries um mm-hmm. so they will they will fund rehabilitation surgery any kind of medical imaging or anything else associated with costs of injury to a person mm-hmm. in New Zealand which again is like it's a really good system it's not a flawless system because i think that the incidence of back pain is about it's about uh, or the incidence of back pain from an injury is about 33% worldwide whereas the mm-hmm. incidence of back pain from an injury in New Zealand is 66% <laughs> and whether that's because we live an active lifestyle and we have more injuries uh, that cause back pain or whether that's because you get your rehab funded if you have an injury is yeah it, it's up for debate but i think like overall it's a it's a good system there's probably a few things that we could iron out with it, but um, it tends to work, I think, reasonably well for, for most people. I was asking too, so are you essentially paid out by the government or do you work privately yourself? Um, so I, I, at the start of my career, I used to work in, in one of the public hospitals. So I worked there for about five years and now for the, probably the last six and a half years, I've been, been working uh, for a private rehabilitation company. So we we have a bit of a mix of funding um, that the Accident Compensation Corporation pays for a lot of the people that come down and see us. Um, so a lot of the rehab that we do is is partially funded uh, by by that kind of branch of uh, of central government. Um, with with that though, it's just a partial funding model. So the people that come in and see me do do pay a pay a copayment. It's relatively relatively minimal. Some of the the contracts that we work on are um, some of the public the public uh, health or the public hospitals um, contract out some of their rehabilitation as well. So it's still free for the people mm. that come and do it, um, but they realise that hey, actually, some of these other companies do a really good job of it and actually have more resource to put into it so we can see more people and we can uh, give more rehab so we do some fully funded government rehab but also we work a lot with um with large companies as well that want to look after their staff members and they they'll fund um fund rehab for them um to keep them at work or get them back to work after they've had an injury as well so it's it's kind of a split funding model which okay is much harder for my administrator than it is for me <laughs> to, <laughs> who to send all the invoices to and, and to do the billing with. But again, it seems to it seems to work okay. Well, cool. And I I just wanted to explore that because obviously here in the states we have really a crazy amalgam of possibilities, mm. including some just out of pocket. Mm. Um, a, a lot of times I find it cheapest to just uh, pay for something out of pocket and not even worry about insurance. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, some that's that's another thing that I didn't mention, actually. I mean, that we do have some uh, some patients come in 
that yeah don't fit into one of those other categories so they do they do sometimes pay us privately but also there are people that can sometimes claim back that portion from their insurance company if they are insured as well so it gets it, it can get a little bit messy um but yeah I'm, I'm not sure i'm not sure if i have the the wherewithal to come up with a better system well it's working you have a house you get the bills paid yeah yeah, yeah. yep that's true it, it's fine it's fine for me <laughs> <laughs> so definitely not not terrible now let's uh pivot again to uh the podcast mm. and uh, our friend, uh, mutual friend Tyson Franklin, definitely friend of Unstructured, put us together. And one of the things he pointed out is that you and I needed to talk because both of us have a day job working mm. for the man, so to speak. Yeah. And do the podcast on the side. And he found that to be rather unique or, yeah. or different. Yeah. He, um, he asked me that question when I, when I was on his show, um, that he said, you're one of the only people that... I know that their podcast isn't related to the business that they're in or the day job that they have. And I'd never actually thought about that before he asked me that question. Um, but now that I, I do think of it, it is, I think we probably are in a, in a reasonably unique situation. I know a few other people, um, especially here in New Zealand, that are in a, in a similar boat. Um, podcasting isn't super big in New Zealand, so it's hard to... Uh, probably hard to sustain a life on it, right? But it is, yeah. It's a, it's fascinating uh, to when you when you think about it like that. But in a way, you're a pioneer. As it's getting bigger, you're what do you have? 120 plus shows now. Yes. So, yeah. 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 So let's say it becomes popular another year, you'll be at almost 200 shows, and you're 200 mm. shows in as it starts to pick up. So you're way ahead of the curve and that can potentially only just help you. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Um, and I mean, even if it doesn't, then it's still something that I really, really enjoy, which obviously I would need to, to have done 120 shows. But I, yeah, I think part of it has been, uh, part of, and I'm sure you'll agree with this is kind of honing your skills with it as mm -hmm. well. And, uh, the episodes that you do now are probably you you feel a lot more comfortable with them than the first couple of episodes that you did. Sure. I mean, you have to put in your reps and it, mm. your, your show and my show, I think are pretty similar in the sense that I feel like we're maybe scratching our own itch to a degree. Very much so. I want to talk to that person. Let me find a way to move it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh your people ask, how do you, how do you pick the, uh, how do you pick the guests for your show? And I think what it comes down to is it's, someone that I'm interested in having a conversation with. I was like, they, are, yeah. they seem like a fascinating person. I'd love to just sit down and, and have a talk to them. And having a, having a podcast is, yeah, I'm sure you'll agree, is, is quite, a, quite a good scam as well because it gives you access to people that to have these conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have sure. access to. If, you, if I'd emailed someone and say, hey, can I chat with you for an hour? They'll just say, who's this random dude that wants to talk to Julie. me? Yeah, but <laughs> if I say, do you want to be on my podcast? They'll say, oh, this random dude with a microphone wants to talk to me. I'd love to do that. Well, in fairness, too, they're not only talking to you, they're talking to several hundred people at the same time. Mm, they are, they are. So, and my, my podcast is quite big in the Isle of Man, so... Uh, if they want to break into if they want to break into that market, then I'm, I'm your guy. 
<laughs> That's funny because uh, Tyson's is uh, really killing it in Malta. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's it's fascinating. Like it's having a podcast has actually really improved my uh, my geography knowledge. Mm-hmm. That I'll get the I'll get some uh, statistics pop up saying someone has listened in Nigeria and someone has listened in Estonia and uh, oh, yeah. a lot of I people ran. have li- yeah <laughs> a lot of people have listened in the Isle of Man and some of these places I'm like kind of know where that is but i'm gonna to have to get out the map and look that up yeah it's, it's it's amazing and i'm sure you've done this before but you'll be looking at the logs and obviously you'll see somebody downloading 100 episodes mm. in my case it's like denmark i'm like denmark okay somebody in denmark likes my show because it looks like it's the same place the same client and they've just downloaded every episode and i'm like how in the world did they find it and there's <laughs> multiple factors because part of it's how in the world did they find this? Because I need to you know, keep hammering on that because that's mm. successful. Yeah, I was, ha- I was having this conversation with my wife uh, last night that just that the internet is a wonderful thing that, I mean, there's, there's massive rabbit holes and it's a, it's a huge time waster sometimes as well, but it's also f- super fascinating what you can do with it. I mean, for example, today we're having this conversation. I've never yes. met you in person. I've actually never met Tyson in person either. I've had multiple conversations with him over the internet, um, and I really want to meet him in person, and now you. But he's a a 50-year-old podiatrist from uh, Cairns in Australia, and uh, I'm a 35-year-old physical therapist in Wellington, New Zealand. And I mean, that's that's quite a geographical difference. And I can't even remember how I'm how I got connected with oh no actually I do remember um, Tyson listened to one of my podcasts one day and uh, and posted it yeah while he was walking and posted a video but yesterday as well I had a had a conversation with a lady from Philadelphia who also talks about getting out of your comfort zone uh, someone that I'd never met but actually someone that right. I'm going to have a lot more conversations with and we were put in touch by uh, someone else who I'm I've only talked to on the internet and I was put in touch with him by someone else that I met in a Facebook group. Um, And then I was in that Facebook group because of someone's podcast that I listened to that is on the internet. So I'm having all these super fascinating conversations with really interesting people who I've never met as a result of the internet and the, the connectivity that it that it just creates yeah it's an incredible tool well we're looking at each other over a video across the Mm. world in in near real time yeah on different days yes yes and who'd have thunk it i mean now i'm i'm using a service that i pay for but you could do it on skype for free Mm. i talked to tyson quite a lot um in a facebook call yeah I, I'm blown away by it every time because I am old enough to remember when I had to pay dollars per minute long distance fees just to get a phone call that sounded horrible. Um was like speaking through tin cans and ecosystems. Exactly. And I mean, in New Zealand, I'm old enough as well. Um, it takes a while for <laughs> stuff to get here. Um, but I think we're, we're actually in a really interesting position because we're we're kind of the last generation that remembers what life is like before the internet Mm -hmm. that um i think we got dial up internet when i was about 14 or 15 so i remember a lot of time before that without 
without that and like when you were doing projects at school you'd have to go out and pull out the encyclopedias and sure uh and read up on read up on that and the encyclopedias were probably about 20 years old so the the information mm-hmm. that you were writing about was out of date anyway oh yeah constantly out of date uh, or you go to the library and have to look up um, magazine articles on microfiche i'm old mm. and sit there with microfilm literally winding through the machine to uh, find the article to print out to study and it, it is unbelievable or even the card catalog where you actually had cards inside of the drawers mm. and you had to go look at the book and then write down the cross-reference to get there yeah 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 it's uh, it's so. made things a lot easier now the basic premise of your podcast i, I really like because while we both are scratching our own itch and talking to a variety of people, you've managed to wrangle it into a um, a tighter subject matter with the idea of getting out of your comfort zone and living life, I guess, either by adventure or ambition or entrepreneurship. Mm. Would that be a fair? Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a pretty pretty reasonable summary, I think. And it didn't start out that tight. Um, mm-hmm. It started out, like, I mean, we know starting the podcast, everything that you read uh, tells you that you actually need to be quite niche in your topic or or niche for your uh, US listeners. Um, we don't know either. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of, I was thinking, well, I don't want to talk about physiotherapy because I do that all day, every day, but I want to talk about something different. And the, the topic of comfort zones kept coming up for me. As, as something that I had found challenging over over the course of my life as well, but I wanted to I wanted to talk to people about how they how they took on challenges and how they uh, did hard things and the the strategies that they used with that, but also the stories that they uh, that they had around that topic and and kind of why as well as how they did things. And the the cool thing about the the topic of comfort zones is everybody has one. That everyone mm. has this this behavioural space where their their actions and their thoughts are kind of align to to keep them psychologically safe. And sure. for for I mean, your comfort zone is going to be different to my comfort zone, which is going to be mm. different to to Tyson's comfort zone, but. Regardless of where our comfort zone lies, the cool, most of the cool stuff usually happens a little bit outside of that. That's where we grow the most as people. That's where we kind of often get the most excitement. So whether I'm talking to a CEO or whether I'm talking to an ultramarathon runner or uh, whether I'm talking to an actor, a musician, a mum... The the concept is is very similar. That hey, I'm doing something hard. Why am I doing it? How am I how am I going about doing it? And a lot of the strategies that people use to get outside their comfort zone are very similar, regardless of the experience and regardless of the of their story. I agree. Um, did you also do it to, in a way, explore paths to get out of your own comfort zone? Very much so. Yeah, and I think the, the one of the big reasons that I did that is that. I mean, in New Zealand, we're a we're a reasonably outdoorsy country. So when I was growing up, a lot of outdoors experiences. So I was quite good at physically getting out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm a yeah young-ish male. Um, grew up in the in the eighties. Um, so 
I was never great at emotionally getting out of my comfort zone. That wasn't something that was sort of highly valued at that at that time. And it's something that I've had to work on. It's something I've got a lot better at. But kind of going through life, I consistently got out of my comfort zone just because all of the experiences you have when you're a kid and a teenager and a young adult are new. So you, you have to push yourself. But then I got a job and I stopped getting out of my comfort zone. And I thought, okay, this is life, this is it. And so I just started doing the same thing over and over again. I went to work, I played some social sports, I hung out with mates and I partied and that just turned into a bit of a cycle. And because I was locked in my comfort zone there, uh, I ended up being, ended up quite unhappy. I ended up unhealthy, really unfulfilled. Uh, It's like I was just, just really stuck in a rut with that. And it took me a while to realize that the problem was that I wasn't challenging myself and I wasn't stepping out of my comfort zone. And this had been a couple of years by this stage. But once I realized that and I started to try and do it, it was quite hard because I hadn't been training myself to get back outside of my comfort zone like I, like I was when I was younger. Um, and in some areas, especially kind of the emotional areas, I never really learned the skills. So getting back out of my comfort zone physically was fine. But emotionally and mentally it was it was hard and i thought if i'm having this problem then i'm sure a lot of other people will have this problem as well so why don't i talk to whoever wants to talk to me about how they do it and see if i can get some skills to one to apply to my life to make it easier for me but also to anyone that wants to listen as well so that they can uh push a little bit harder um, step outside of their comfort zone and whether that's to, to find some magic for them, whether that's to achieve something difficult that they've wanted to, to work on for a while or whether that's just to get better at dealing with the uncomfortable stuff that life throws at us on a day-to-day basis. It's a good that, goal. Yeah, <laughs> that, and that's that's kind of where it started and I don't, I don't think I could have articulated that initially with my first couple of episodes but doing it for two and a half years I've had a bit of time to think about it and think about why why it's happened and and kind of where it's where it's going to go well it's funny I don't know if you discover this but I feel like you feel like when you create a podcast that you are controlling the podcast but quite often the reverse happens it shapes you Mm, yeah I was having a yeah I was having a conversation with um uh, with a guest, podcast guest actually, who's a, who's an actor, um, and he was he was talking about really utilizing the the creative process and and recording yourself to actually find out more about yourself and who you really are. Because I mean, this the internet is great, but it's a massive distraction. It doesn't mm-hmm. really give us any time for kind of introspection or self reflection. Um, unless we we kind of force ourselves to take it, and he his medium was video, so he'd he'd film himself uh, talking and, and and doing things. But with with the podcast, obviously we're we're on audio here, so sure. talking through ideas and talking through through subjects that sometimes I will I'll find that one one either it gives me some more clarity around my thinking about. A topic or a subject or actually in the act of of talking about it and exploring it uh that my that i find something new about myself and i was like oh i didn't i didn't know that i felt that way or i realized why i felt that way <laughs> which has given me 
kind of deeper, yeah, deeper insight into myself and the things that I like, the things that I don't like, uh, why I'm good at some things and why I'm not so good at other things and allows me to probably make some better life choices. So it gives you clarity. Yeah, yeah, in a nutshell. That's kind of how I feel as well. Now to wrap things up, what would you recommend for somebody who wants to start a podcast? Oh, I think the I think it partially depends on your motivation. If you want to start a podcast like mine or yours, Eric, the the recommendation would be to scratch your own itch, to find something that you're interested in in talking about or a topic that you want to discuss with people. Um and it doesn't have to be like a real specific topic like how to best build the best online course in three days um that it's a it's a topic like comfort zones where i talk to a whole lot of different people or it's a topic like yours where you get to talk with a whole lot of interesting people but pick something that's that's meaningful to you and then start having conversations about it i mean the the logistics of of a podcast don't get too hung up on them they're, they're easy. Grab a microphone, stick it in front of someone, and start start talking. But also, put yourself on a little bit of a schedule so that you have to keep putting out content because that's the way that you, you start to get better and that's the way that you don't worry about things so much. That if you put one out every week or every couple of weeks, yeah, you worry about the first few, but you only worry about that one until the next one comes around and then the next one and then the next one and then sooner or later you just stop worrying and start enjoying it more. And be ready to suck to start. Oh, yeah. I still suck. But maybe <laughs> I but maybe, maybe I suck a little bit less than I used to. I, I wouldn't say that. Now, Chris, where can people find you? So you can find me on, on social media, um, Instagram or Facebook at Uncomfortable is Okay. This episode coming out soon-ish, Eric? Uh, within the next uh, weeks. Within the next weeks. All right. Uh, not, not in a week, can, but uh, do okay. you have something coming up? That you uh, you can, you can, you can, no, no, you can find me on the web at uncomfortableisok.com, and that will force cool. my hand to finish this building this website. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good, and we'll definitely look forward to finding you. <laughs> and that is super uncomfortable for me because I'm... <laughs> Not so, not really tech savvy. <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, my pleasure. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you check it out you'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts or you can go to my website tysonfranklin.com <laughs>